If you ask me, I won't have much trouble recalling some very bad choices that I've made over the journey. Some of them really, really bad. You ever make a bad choice? It's early 1992, it's a Saturday morning. I'm at work as a detective at, at Brunswick CIB. And I went to work that morning knowing that my mum was sick. And, you know, for most of her life, my mum suffered from regular debilitating migraines. And they would make her really, really sick. And Dad called me that morning to say that he'd, he'd called an ambulance for her. That's how bad the pain was. So I jumped in the car as soon as I could and drove out to Knox Hospital and found my way into the room where they had mum. She looked like she was unconscious, but I mean, I now know that she was conscious. It's just that she's in so much agony that she was just lying there with her eyes shut and not moving a muscle. And at the same time as all that was happening, my conscience had gotten hold of me in the week or so before that because I was in the middle of, a, of an ugly, nasty public and in the media court trial and, and my name had been printed in the papers and by that morning I was in utter personal turmoil turmoil just well, it was like nothing I'd ever experienced you see I'd done the I'd done the wrong thing it was sin and I'd tell you about it and I, in shame but and I have talked about it publicly before. I've talked about it here in church before. But for now, though, so you know, I was just feeling as guilty as I've ever felt. So there I am. I'm in the hospital room. Mum's lying there unconscious, apparently to me. She's motionless. And all I can do is sit beside the bed and just weep. And my poor mum and my extreme mental strife. And do you know, do you know where I got to that morning in the hospital? I got to thinking and convinced that God's punishing my mum because of me. And in that night, I'm at home and I'm just racking myself from side to side in the bed, trying to go to sleep. And, and, and I was convinced and I thought it explicitly in my mind. You know, if I die tonight, I will go to hell. You know, I did everything I ever could to turn that wrong around that I'd done. It was an illegal choice to swap what we would call absolute ethics for situational ethics. In other words, I'd done the wrong thing. I did. I, like I did everything I could to put it right. But you know, oftentimes, even though we've said sorry, and even though we've been forgiven, the pain is one of the consequences, and it's worse than any of the punishments. And you know, we never, ever have control over the consequences for our wrong choices. Hey, um, did you ever make a bad choice? Look, I don't mean that you chose tip-top white bread rather than Helga's whole meal. Um, I don't mean that you... Oh, no, I backed Sir Dragon in the Melbourne Cup. No, like, like I'm talking about it seriously, a bad 
choice, one with consequences, one which you'd pay big money to turn the clock back on. Seriously, I was a homicide detective, so I've dealt very closely with family members of murder victims and witnesses to murders, and often, often like within hours of the death. And I'm a longish time pastor too. So believe me, believe me, I, 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 like I, I've sat with and been with and listened to people in a lot of pain. Right now I'm thinking of a guy, he was... He was due to get married that day, and you, sh oh, you should have seen him. His, his physical symptoms, and it was distressing just to see. And it was only revealed after the fact that he was actually having an affair with another woman at the time. You see, friends, some of the very worst and extreme and most distressing pain that I've ever witnessed it is from people who've made bad choices. And Jonah, the old world prophet, we saw him last week, he tried running away from God. Bad choice. Never ever works. We saw that last week. And so instead of going, and it would have been on foot, to Nineveh, which is 900 kilometres northeast of where he is, like God asked him to. He jumped on a boat headed for Tarshish, and that's 4,000 kilometres due west. When you run away, when you run away to rock bottom, Trust me, no, it never works to run away from God. And, and when you do, when you make bad choices, you, you never get to control the consequences. And sometimes it'll take you to rock bottom. Rock bottom. And it hurts, my friend. It hurts bad. Just ask Jonah. Remember last week, the sailors on the ship that he hits a ride on, they, they knew that this violent storm that they were in was so bad that it was, it was more than just bad weather. And long story short, we saw last week, they, they worked it out that it was something to do with Jonah. Jonah had confessed to it, and then they eventually decided that they're going to throw him into the ocean. And if not, their ship was going to go down, and they were going to go down with it. And when they, when they did toss him overboard, it gets into, a heart of, into the heart of a story that, that, like, I still can't work it out. It says in Jonah chapter 1, verse 17, it says, Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. <laughs> I always had this image of Jonah. Like, I've thought about it for years. Uh, Jonah, like, and so it's, it's kind of like, I, I can see him. He's sitting inside the whale and there's like bench seats. It's like a troop carrier. There's a bench seat down one side and a bench seat down the other side. And he's sitting on the seat and he's kind of just there and he's twiddling his thumbs and, and he's like, he crosses his leg every so and he's looking around. But more recently, I thought, hold on. Like, this is a part of the story I don't get it. Like, you just imagine for a few seconds being inside a whale's gut. 
Now, I've never gutted a whale, but I have gutted a fish, and I've gutted farm animals. And I'll tell you what, the smell inside the gut is not something that you can unremember. And plus, there's no space in the whale's gut either. Like, I want to know, and I, I can't tell you this yet. I haven't been able to find out. Like, how did Jonah even breathe in there? How did he stay alive in there for three minutes? <laughs> oh, it's three days and three nights. And somehow, inside the whale, he's conscious. and he's, So he's breathing and he must have a peg on his nose or otherwise he's dead from smell. We know that for sure. And that's when he prays. And it's like when he was tossed into the water. Yeah, check this out in Jonah chapter 2. When he was tossed into the water, off the ship, and he thought that was it. Like, kill me now. I'm done. He knew it was all over. And best he could, he accepted his fate. And rather than the, the whale being an accident, the whale actually saves him from drowning. You see, the first part of his prayer here in chapter 2, it's acknowledging just that. In the ocean, suffering the out-of-his-control consequences for his bad choice, for his running away, which never, ever works. He's ready to die, and a whale rescues him. Look at this, Jonah chapter 2, verse 1. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. You see, he's talking about what happened when he was in the water. I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the world of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. Hey, whatever your consequence, whatever your, your turmoil and your agony, whatever the, whatever the train wreck that you've created, God always hears when you start down the track of what the Bible, the Bible just calls it repentance. And the Greek word used for repentance in the New Testament is metanoia. Meta, talking about a change, and noia from the, the, the root word nous. You know, nous, it means not mind, you know. So really, it's talking about a change of mind. <clears throat> change of mind, which which involves an intellectual, mind-based realisation in here that you have done what's wrong, what's against God. It's what the Bible calls sin. And that, that change of mind then leads to a change of behaviour. And so with repentance, what it means is then that you stop doing what's wrong and you replace it by starting to do what's right. Whenever we start down the track of repentance, no matter how far gone you are, no matter how dire the ramifications are, no matter what the limitations are, like until you're dead, any time before you're dead, God hears, and, and you need to hear that this morning. He said, you threw me 
into the ocean depths and, and I was drowning. I, I sank down to the heart of the sea. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. You see, it's all over now, bar the drowning. You've, you've lost your marriage. You've burned the relationship. You've burned the group. You've burned the company. You ruined your reputation. You got suspended. You lost your license. And maybe it's not quite as diabolical as it was for Jonah. But then again, like it might be. But right now, like to say this morning that you're buried beneath the wild and stormy waves because of the choice that you made. Because you ran away. And you ran away because you didn't want to go there and you didn't want to do that. And you don't need me to tell you this morning, do you? It hurts. And the best descriptor I can think of, if you pardon me to say it, is it doesn't just hurt, it hurts like hell. Look what he said in verse 4. Then, then I said, O Lord, you have driven me from your presence. How will I ever again see your holy temple? Sounds like me thinking I was going to hell. I sank beneath the waves, he says, and, and death was very near. The waters closed in around me and seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains and I was locked out of life and imprisoned in the land of the dead. See, I felt that night racking from side to side in the bed. He says, but you, O Lord my God, sent a whale and you you have snatched me from the yawning jaws of death see sin the way the bible defines it and it's most basic it's it's when you do your own thing go your own way as contrasted with as opposed to doing god's thing going god's way like it's insidious. It, it is easily subtle. It's often attractive and enticing and compelling. And it caters well to our, our lethargy and our constant craving for physical pleasure and our insatiable longing for all that we see and our pride that comes with achieving and owning more and more and our desperate desire for vindication and validation. And then look what he says, verse 7, chapter 2. When I had lost all my hope, I turned my thoughts once more to the Lord. You see, Jonah did. He turned his thoughts to the Lord. Not everyone does. you got a choice. you got a choice, my friend. When you're at rock bottom and you know it, you can choose to turn your thoughts to Jesus. Or you can box on and you can try fixing it your way or... Not try fixing it at all, or you can just harden your heart and get angry and blame whoever or whatever else, but not you. And then he says, my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies. But, not me, no, not me. But I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise. 
and I'll fulfill all my vows. And then he says, for my salvation. It's in verse 9. You see, salvation, it means saving or, or rescuing. So it's like my, my saving, my, my rescuing. The saving of me, the rescuing of me. <clears throat> Not always from the consequences of my sin, my running away, but from the defeat of my sin, my running away. Because as Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says, the wages of sin is death. Separation from God. He said, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Now, if you've been in church, like especially this church here at Mill Park Baptist, I mean, I know that well enough to tell you confidently. You've been in church more than five minutes and you're going to have heard someone talk about grace. And we talk ad infinitum about it. And, and, and that's what Dr. J.I. Packer, the late Dr. J.I. Packer said in his classic book, Knowing, Knowing God, it's called. Many people talk about grace, he said, but it's like, it's like an abstraction to them. It's not a life-changing power. And he explains why, and he, and he says that if, if, we, if we cannot or do not or will not get these three truths, then it's almost like God's grace becomes impossible for us. He spoke about three truths. He, said, he called the first one moral ill-desert. Ill Moral, ill desert. And the Bible's persistent and consistent message that we are, you are, I am, we all are guilty sinners. And that message, you know, especially today, it comes across as oppressive. If not, it's, it's evil and it's discriminatory and it's dangerous. But you look at Jonah's prayer, he says, you, he's talking to God, you threw me into the ocean depths. You see, he knew it. He got it. That there is such a thing as divine justice. And he deserved it. So moral ill desert. And the second one that, that Dr. Packer talked about was spiritual impotence. And that's when we recognise our sins. So, so, so you're, you're agreeing with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll do the wrong. Like I've got sin. But spiritual impotence is when we come to the realisation that we can't fix the problem. There's nothing we can do. We cannot repair the damage. We cannot cleanse ourselves. You work as hard as you want. You religiously observe as fastidiously as you possibly can. But like Jonah said, he used the words, he said, I was locked out of life. And I was imprisoned in the land of the dead. And when you're dead, my friend, you cannot breathe yourself back to life. Moral ill desert, spiritual impotence. And the third one is costly salvation. And not once, but it's twice in this prayer that Jonah looks to God's holy temple. Did you see that there? His holy temple. You see, he knew, he knew that the Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. 
In other words, it is only when the death of an innocent sacrifice secures our forgiveness that we can speak with God, that we can have relationship with God. Quite simply, like we're sinners. We are unable to save ourselves. And we can only be saved through extreme and costly measures. Think about that. I will too next time you sing Amazing Grace. Next time you hear the bagpipes playing. And now you, you'll be back again next week, won't you? Because look in, look in verse 10. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit up Jonah on the beach. To spew him up. To vomit him on the beach. This, this whale been swimming all this time for, from the depths of the ocean to the, to the shore. And here's the second thing that I want to know about this story. Remember I said, I don't, I don't get how Jonah stayed alive in the, in the whale. Well, here's the second thing I don't get, and I don't know this yet either, is where are they? What beach? What island? What country? And the third thing I want to know is wherever they are, How does Jonah get back home? Anyway, God's in charge because he tells whales what to do. And he ordered the fish, it said, to spit up Jonah on the beach. And it did. It's verse 10. Do you try running away? Do you make a bad choice? Repentance is underrated and worth it every time. Repentance, metanoia. Think about this. It's like a U-turn. Car's driving in that direction, turns around and drives in that direction. And it starts in your head. Listen real carefully with this. It starts in your head with a realisation. Now, even if it's a totally functional and cerebral and there's no emotion or feeling in it, it's actually, it's an intellectual acknowledgement that you're wrong. You don't even have to feel sorry. You don't even have to wish you didn't do it. It's an intellectual acknowledgement that you're wrong. It might be your speech, it might be your action, it might be something that you omitted to say or to do. It might be fully fledged running away from God. And it might also be that, I mean, because we all do this, don't we? But it might also be that you've never yet recognized God's grace and surrendered your life to Him. But you see, with repentance then, once you realise you're in the wrong, repentance then causes you to say sorry. To do everything you can to put the wrong right. And then to replace the wrong action or speech or running away, whatever it is, with the right action or speech. Or returning to where you run from. 
your repentance is underrated and it's worth it every time. And there's Jonah in the whale and, and the awful significance of being rejected by God had dawned on him. And the cold reality, my friend, is that the alternative to saying to God, you, you, you've heard, haven't you, that famous Lord's Prayer in the Bible where we pray and we say, your will be done. That there eventually comes a time when you hear God say to you, no, your will be done. I want to suggest here a couple of things, friends. First one's this, the sooner the better. The sooner you stop running, the better. Every bit longer that you keep going, it's only further to come back. And God, God knows his stuff, so it's not uncommon for him to give you a long rope like he gave Jonah. So you get all the excruciating way to the end of yourself. My friend, the sooner you repent, the better. Your repentance is underrated and it's worth it every time. You know, the second thing, first one, sooner the better. Second one, it's never too late. It's never too late and until you're dead. While they're still breathing, it's never too late. It's, it's never too late and you're never too old. Repentance is underrated and worth it every time. And the third thing, so the sooner the better. It's never too late. Third one is it's always best. It's always best. So easy for Satan. You know, the Bible calls him the, the father of lies. So when he tells lies, it says that he's speaking his native language. It tells us that he masquerades as an angel of light. In other words, he absolutely looks like an angel of light. Even though he's, he's the epitome of evil. And you see... He's deceptive. And the danger, you think about this with me, the danger of dealing with a deceptive enemy is what? It, it's that we get deceived. And if we get deceived, it means that we're not seeing truth. We're, we're seeing lies and we're believing them. And they're as real as real can be to us. You know, Satan will deceive you to think that you are okay to keep running. You're sitting there thinking it right now. No one will know. It's too hard to stop running. I've run too far. He'll deceive you into thinking you are okay to keep running. The ship's not going to go down. You're on it. You just stay asleep in the, in the cargo below deck. Ship won't go down. And, and if, you, if you do own up, you're going to get punished. So stay quiet. And if you say sorry, if you confess, then, then you'll just get humiliated. Make a fool of you. So, so stay mute. 
And if you do agree, like we spoke last week, if you do agree to, to his mission, if it's in your backyard, it's, it's next door neighbours, across the city, it's in remote Australia, if it's overseas... And if you, like we spoke about last week, if you, if you jump on board with what your church is doing, and what's that? Like it's this, it's this Arabic ministry that's just exploding all over the world. It's, it's exploring a Korean ministry. It's, yeah, what? What did you say? Expanding the mission budget. And all of that in the middle of COVID-19. So Satan, he'll have a little whisper in your ear and tell you, you know, if you throw your lot in with that, you, you jump on board with that at your church. You know what? You're going to be part of a shipwreck because it's not going to work. And just like Jonah, so supposedly he's got to go to Nineveh to the most brutally violent and oppressive terrorist regime on earth at that time. Doesn't make sense. My friend, it's always best to repent. Repentance is underrated and worth it. Every time. Would you let me pray with you now? Can I pray? Because we want to allow the Holy Spirit now just, just some, some time as we're processing this in our heads. We want to allow the Holy Spirit just to speak to us. We need to know Jesus. So you, you sit in that category, like realistically, using that language of Jonah, like you've been running away all along. You haven't you never turned back to follow Jesus yet. Well, it might be that you, you sort of turned back to follow him years ago and then you've, you've drifted away from that. So, hey, you want to you wanna turn back right now? Just, just tell him that. And if, you, if you're meeting Jesus... For the first time, don't feel like you've got to, you know, jump through some sort of hoops or say something magical. You don't. We're just acknowledging that Jesus died on a criminal's cross for your sin. And you're acknowledging that he did that. You're saying thank you to him for doing it. And you're humbly accepting his forgiveness for your sin. And surrendering to him, surrendering your life to him. Would you do that right now? And, you know, over the course of the next few minutes, you'll see there's there's a link on the social media feeds. And if, if you link on there and you let us know anything about this, we'll be able to have one of our people be in contact with you and and chat with you and help you and even understanding a bit more what you've what you've done there today. And then maybe, yeah, 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 you know Jesus, but you've been, you've just been, you have, you've been running away. Bad choices. One big bad choice, a whole lot of big bad choices, a whole lot of small bad choices, but bad choices. A um, 
The sooner the better. It's never too late. It's always better. You know, you're going to turn around. I'm going to give you a moment just to talk to Jesus about that now. We thank you so much, Jesus. You've you've heard these prayers. You, um, Lord, not only have you heard the prayers, but you, like you've responded. We thank you for that. Thank you that you've heard the prayers. Thank you so much for for speaking to us and through us. Thank you so much. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.